Welcome to the spirit world, answering your questions on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. And now your hosts, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Well, hi there, and welcome to the spirit world. This is our mailbag edition for December. And we're going to be answering your questions and comments that have come in uh, through Facebook or if you sent them in by email at tsw at grnonline.com. And we'll get to as many of your emails as possible, but uh, we only have an hour to do so. So, Adam, we'll always begin with the St. Michael prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Adam, um, we may have to do a, and we we loved doing the mailbag shows. We may do another one uh, later in the month in December because we are getting an abundance of emails and comments coming in. So we're just going to jump all around. Um, I we we're going to uh, separate the emails. Uh, demonic activity uh, versus the questions about the holy angels so we'll cover the holy angels in one episode all by by itself because it's very important and we don't want to keep jumping around all over the place so i'm just going to um cover the demonic um, uh, situations that that seem to be um, happening and people are are uh, wanting answers for so let's let's start with this because beth um likes to go on facebook and i love that and we get beth's beth's comments there on facebook at the spirit world podcast and she said recently she said um uh, she's hoping that we're considering interviewing a formerly possessed person. She thinks that would help others to avoid the mishaps of demonic possession. Um, what do you say to that, Adam? I know you addressed it um, on a previous show about mm, six, eight months ago, but I would like you to um, answer Beth uh, right now about this because I know others are commenting as well. They'd like us to have somebody that was previously possessed uh, that we could interview so we could find out some of you know how they're doing and how it happened and all the details, but you want to share something else that's even more important about that. Well, you know... Um Beth and and Deb, we we've talked about this a little bit. The church is is real, tries to be really protective of people's privacy and their dignity, which is why no recording is allowed at exorcisms of any kind, and you're supposed to keep confidential, um, you know, who's there and and who's asking for prayer. If you imagine, you know, if you imagine you had a relative and it were to leak out to the press that they were receiving, you know, solemn exorcisms, there would probably be reporters on the front door the next morning on the lawn there asking for interviews there would be strange letters arriving the person probably would have uh, a lot of their life really disrupted and most people uh, that have been through exorcisms and then been freed you know that experience possession most of them do not want to be known by the public um, the man who was the basis of the movie the exorcist uh, he was a little boy at the time. Uh, the real case that, that uh, Blatty was inspired by when he wrote the script 
or wrote the book and then wrote the script. Um, he kept his identity secret his whole life, and, and he's passed on now. But, um, you know, the last thing he wanted was to be known um, and basically harassed and, and have your privacy destroyed. So that's part of it. Uh, another part is once somebody is free, they generally want to move on to be doing positive things for God and positive things in their life. Um, they don't want to revisit and talk about the trauma that they went through. It would be kind of like asking somebody who had been through like a war situation and had PTSD to go back and then talk about the combat situations that gave them PTSD, mm-hmm. but uglier um, because of the things people go through. That's part of it. Uh, there's been one person in all these years um, coming up, you know, a little bit here coming up on 20 years. There's been one person who really wanted to have their story told. Um, and they they were a former Satanist who had done a ritual to cut a deal. But even they wanted their story to be told and they wanted to be recorded giving it, but they needed to be in silhouette and they wanted their voice changed because they feared um, the former people that they were working with would recognize them and, and you know, possibly hurt them. So right. one person out of out of all the cases over the years wanted to do that, you know, in charity to warn other people about black magic and Satanism because of what they went through. But everybody else is, you know, once you're free of that garbage, they just want mm-hmm. to be positive and move on and, and not look back. And they also don't want to have their lives destroyed by people harassing them. Right. And I understand Beth's intention because she, you know, they could provide some insight on how we can avoid all these things so we don't have to go through that pain and that suffering and, and that kind of, uh, of level of, of, of what could happen to the person. Um, but um, that's why we have you here. You're in this work on a weekly basis, and so you can share with us as best you can, right, that you're free to share as much. I mean, are there any restrictions put on you that you, there's certain things you cannot share with us? Well, you know, we would never share, like, the actual names of people or, you know, anything that would make a person identifiable. So it, it's kind of like in psychology, like if you talk about a case study, you, you use generally you do it generally you tell the general story without giving identifying details right right yeah. but that's why i mean that's why i love that we're able to do this show with you as an expert in the work that you do in 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 exorcisms and i think that that helps us i mean tremendously it's helped me um you know you've shared where there where the stumbling blocks are where the portals are you know what things to avoid what things to focus on and that's very important so i hope that helps beth but beth had another comment on a previous uh, show that we did about it came up in, in some of the calls uh, this the number 666 and beth wanted you adam to address um the reference to this number and how people sometimes get obsessed with this number and stay away from it at all costs they don't want to go near it you know why don't you give a a little brief understanding of the number 666 yeah so you know we shouldn't be afraid of numbers first off but here's here's the backstory on on that reference um you know john we're not sure if it, it was the apostle john or or which john it was but there was a john who was exiled to the island of patmos um, during the per- Christian persecution by the uh, Roman Emperor Nero. And and he had a particularly vicious persecution of Christians. Um, and this, this John was exiled. And he was writing letters back to the Christian communities that were still um, basically active, you know, in, in the Roman Empire in Rome. 
uh, as kind of encouragement to them to persevere in, in the spite of just the horrible things and, and how much um, death and, and torture was going on. It was a letter to inspire them. And the 666 is actually merely the encoding of the name Nero into Hebrew numbers. And so um, it was basically written in a way that a, somebody who knew Hebrew would realize that that decoded into the name Nero. But for the most Romans who didn't know Hebrew, they wouldn't be able to understand that. And so it was kind of a, a coded message, essentially. So uh, the beast he's referencing there was, was Nero, who was, you know, basically mm -hmm. the most vicious persecution they had seen to that point. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, <clears throat> in the Bible, there are double meanings in some things. Sure. And, and sure, there could be a double meaning in reference to the Antichrist. Um, you know, Nero was an Antichrist in the sense that he was, you know, directly opposing and trying to destroy the church. Um, you know, so there's different ways to look at it, but really, primarily, it was merely encoding the name Nero, and we shouldn't be unduly afraid of numbers. That That's basically superstition. And you're also giving evil too much control in your life and too much deference if you're saying, oh, I'm going to avoid this number because, you know, it's associated with the devil. If you start going down that road, you know, the same thing happens with um, when Satanists want to usurp and take over um, Christian holidays and like put rituals on them. We don't want to withdraw from that and say, well, they're now claiming that date, so we're no longer going to celebrate that holy day, that kind of thing. Um, basically, you know, you just have to let it go. Okay, good. Then um, I great answers. And Beth, thank you so much. Keep the comments coming on Facebook. You can always grow the family there on Facebook at the Spirit World Podcast, or you can email us for an upcoming mailbag show, tsw at grnonline.com. But stay with us because coming up next is Timoteo's uh, question on dreams, Adam. We're going to dive into dreams and if there's any demonic activity there when we come back on the Spirit World for our mailbag edition. We'll be right back. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at standa.com. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.17, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 
Many evangelicals see this passage as an indication that baptism is not necessary for salvation. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, I don't think Paul meant, I don't have authorization to baptize. If that were true, well, then he would have acted in disobedience when he baptized Crispus, Gaius, and the household of Stephanus, which he tells us about in the preceding verses. But we don't want to say that. It's more likely Paul was being hyperbolic in order to stress, one, the focus of his ministry, which was to preach, and two, it doesn't matter by whom you're baptized, which was the topic of discussion within context. Is Paul denying the necessity of baptism? I don't think so. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. We're not taking live phone calls today. Please email your questions to tsw at grnonline.com. Spirit World, and so we hope you stay tuned in so you can see if your question has been answered. Um, as promised, we're going to go to Timoteo's uh email that was sent in recently, Adam, and Tim says, good morning. I would like to thank the entire team for the service of your ministry. Well, thank you, Tim, for listening to the spirit world and promoting it on social media. That's a good use of social media. I understand from church teaching that uh, church teaching and ad admonitions from the saints not to take dreams seriously. Yet I am puzzled with a series of dreams that happens sporadically with no pattern to the frequency. But the content is what's puzzling me. In each dream, I'm struggling, even fighting with two or three people. Again, I understand not to take stock in dreams, yet these dreams puzzle me. Is there something to this or just should I ignore them? I had such a dream last night. That's what's prompted me to ask. Thank you and God bless everyone. Timoteo. Now, uh, before you address Tim's email, Adam, let me just share with you that Tim's um, situation with these uh, very uh, active dreams of fighting with somebody or having somebody chase them or pin them down, or we've gotten at least, I'd say, two dozen of these types of emails. So do you want to just address pretty much everybody in a general sense, but also um, uh, tailor it to Tim's uh, uh, question? Sure, Deb. So... Um, we can kind of address this in general. So, so dreams have a couple functions when we look at them from kind of a brain and psychological standpoint. Uh, one is we're, we're pretty sure that a good part of dreaming is kind of moving short-term memory into permanent long-term memory. So the, the important events of the day and the brain kind of does that process probably maybe earlier in the, in the night and then finishes that process. And so some of it's kind of a replaying of the, of the important events of the day. Uh, the second thing that we see a lot in psychology, um, and there's, you know, different emphasis on this depending on which school of psychology you're, you're learning, but that dreams can be symbolic to internal psychological processes and, and kind of issues that are unresolved in us. So, uh, in that case, you know, describing fighting with the person could be symbolic of an ongoing uh, personal struggle um, with somebody 
who knows, over a business deal or somebody in the family that, that you're not getting along with or somebody that you feel is trying to dominate you in life, maybe a work situation, the mind can sometimes play out those anxieties and fears in dreams that are symbolic of the things that are bothering us. And the extreme version of this is nightmares, of course, where they generally come either when we filled our head with, with nightmarish images during the day and they kind of get replayed in that moving into long-term memory thing, um, or the nightmares come when we're in extremely high stress, and that represents that the mind is kind of preoccupied with that and trying to process it a little bit. So that's all the the psych stuff and the brain stuff and and that I think is the basis of why we shouldn't put too much stock in dreams that they're necessarily coming from you know God or the demonic now all that being said you know there is there are scriptural references to God sending dreams to people we know you know the very clear example with Joseph you know receiving dreams where angels gave him instructions that were important um, in his journey of taking care of Mary and, and um, the birth of Jesus. So we know that God, of course, can do that. God can do anything. But generally, God is not um, speaking to us in dreams as a normal thing. That's, that's something that happens, but it happens, you know, probably very, very rarely. The more negative um, I have seen over the years, people that are already embroiled in a kind of demonic problem, whether it's oppression or possession, they will have repetitive demonic dreams, but it is only one of the many symptoms of a bigger demonic problem. So if a person's just leading a normal life and they have a demonic dream one night, that doesn't suddenly mean that they're oppressed or possessed. It just means that they had a demonic dream. These images and ideas are, are all through our culture. A person could get scared and worked up about something in life, and then it comes out in that form in a dream. It doesn't mean that you're having an extraordinary demonic problem. Mm -hmm. So, all of that, and then uh, the thing we've mentioned before on the show that I have found in practice to be very helpful is if you're in doubt about whether a dream is demonic in origin or whether it's just a nightmare, um, especially if it's repetitive, get some holy water from your Catholic Church, put some in your palm just a little bit, wet your hands, mm -hmm. and then close your eyes and pat down your entire head, including your face, your closed eyes, your ears, right before you lay down to go to sleep. And what I've found over the years is that stops demonic nightmares on a dime for that night. And so that's one way you can test whether it's spiritual or not. Now, of course, your mind could just kind of through auto-suggestions say, well, I did that and therefore I shouldn't have these dreams, and then you may not have the dream just because of your mind's kind of the power of suggestion on yourself. So I'm not saying it's foolproof, um, but it will stop demonic dreams if they're spiritual in origin, and you would need to do that each night. Um, so all that being said, Deb, generally you do want to ignore your dreams. They're representing your life struggles coming out in your sleep. And then if they're really like the exact same movie playing over and over again, um, maybe talk with a therapist. And if you think it's spiritual, do the holy water um, that I just mentioned as kind of a litmus test. Where did you get that from with the holy water on the head and the, and the, and the top of the head? Did, is that from your exorcism work or did a priest tell you that or did you just learn that from experience or what? 
Yeah, so that that came out of working with people over the years that are either oppressed or possessed, mm-hmm. um, or people living in in demonic infestation situations. And it just came to me one day. It's been so many years; I don't remember when, but it just kind of came to me as an inspiration to try that, and it worked, mm-hmm. and it's worked in every case since. Is that because the the thoughts or the memories or the the it comes in through the mind? Is that why you're just choosing on focusing on the head? Well, I think it's, um, you know, the senses scripturally are really important. Okay. So, so the senses are kind of the gateway to the mind. And so um, I do think, you know, protecting the head and the brain in a sense spiritually, but also touching the senses with holy water. You're closing your eyes, you're touching your eyes, touching your ears, you know, the front of your face and your nose. You're kind of sanctifying your senses for that evening. And I think um, if we look at Thomas Aquinas, if we look at how are demons allowed to tempt us, mm-hmm. they're allowed to activate the imagination, which is mm-hmm. kind of like playing a movie of a memory that you have, and then excite the passions to want to pursue that sin again. Right. And so we know that the demons, by God's permissive will, are allowed to, to kind of activate and replay memories we have of sin, and that is what temptation is. Um, and so we know they're given some access to influence us. And that doesn't mean we're all possessed or all oppressed. That's just temptation. Okay. Okay. So staying on that same um, line of about dreams, let's. This is a longer email, but it's gonna it's gonna take me a while to to read it. But I think it's important the details for Adam to make a comment um, about this or a couple comments, and we can talk about it a little a little bit. So let's take some time with this email, and this comes in from Francis says, Salve Regina, thank you so much for your show. I find it very edifying. Well, thank you for sending in this email. I have a question regarding a supernatural event that happened to my wife, and I would like Adam's opinion on why perhaps we were allowed to see what we saw. Okay, Francis, um, Adam's going to take in all the details. I'm going to read it slowly. Um, my mom's neighbor is a, is a famous cancer research doctor and medical school professor. Her husband died of natural causes around the age of 45. My wife and I only knew, knew her as my mom's neighbor. However, she invited all of us to her husband's funeral since he was Catholic and she was Hindu from India. Her husband was an American. We, we quickly agreed and made friends with her as she began to want to learn everything about the Catholic Church. We were very happy to go to her house and talk for hours about the saints and the Catholic faith. Soon after, she mentioned that she was having spiritual dreams of the Lamb of God and that I somehow was meant to be part of her plan for future things. I was a little taken back. Uh, by that statement, but just chalked it up as to her as a, her being a grieving widow and not thinking clearly. A few months later, we had moved four hours away, and she contacted me saying that she really needed uh, for us to meet in person because she was probably moving soon. So we drove down, and we met with her for dinner and had some conversation. Around 3 a.m., we were still there, and she was talking to us about wanting to get a theology degree. And then suddenly, now here's the part that this is where I'm stumbling on, because I will tell you this is, this is really, I, I think, uh, very um, deep in, in this strange sense. Suddenly, her face looked like hot wax, was poured over her face and her and her black eyes turned a yellow green color 
Wow. Her thick and and they got very thick and got very thin and and bald and her face morphed into an old woman with her nose growing in length and size. She Wow. She went from 45 years old, an attractive woman, to an 85-year-old balding woman. Wow. With creepy yellow-green eyes. Her voice did not change at all. And, um, wow. And this is unbelievable. I was shocked and could hardly believe what I was seeing. Yeah, I'm having a difficult time even reading it. I kept blinking my eyes, saying to myself, maybe I'm just sleepy. Well, shortly thereafter, it was late and we had to go. We walked out, and when my wife and I got out at the edge of the driveway, my wife said to me, did you see her face morph to that old woman like a witch? Her eyes turned green. I said, yes. And then we said, let's let's run and get out of here. After that, we never returned her phone calls. My question is, what could have, have been the meaning behind that? I know her family was still practicing um, uh, practicing Hindus, and she herself had done medical research papers in using yoga for therapy. But I still wonder if I could have been tricked by a demon to cut off ties with her, or was it a warning? I would like to hear your opin- opinion. This is from Francis. Now, you're, gonna, you're hearing me gasp and stumble on this because I have to tell you, Adam, I, I'm very visual. And I was pic- as I was reading this, I'm picturing, you know, you're sitting with this person. You're trying to, you know, talk the faith with them. You're minister to, it, to them. You're becoming friends with them. And then in front of your eyes, this person changes into a creepy-looking witch-like, you know, face I mean that that's horrifying but in your work that you do have you ever seen anything or heard anything like this so um, the two things that are one thing is common one is less common that's related to this so so the one that's common is is during exorcisms as different demons are um, running the body at any particular moment so it's no longer the human they're they're unconscious and this other personality is running the body uh, not all the time, but usually the voice will change uh, at least a little bit, and then the shape of the face will change a little bit. But it's more that the muscles of the face are pulling in a in a different way than you're used to, and so it's a very slight change in the way the face is held and it appears. Not going from a 45 year old to an 85 year old and suddenly seeing wrinkles and all of that, and certainly not suddenly seeing them be bald. Um, but there is a little distortion in the face that can happen from the muscles moving in strange ways. The eyes, um, I, I've seen film footage, uh, very close-up film footage of eyes going from regular brown eyes to pure white, where um, a particular spirit took over and both the iris and the pupil were white and the white of the eye was white and you could see the circles of the iris and pupil it's not like the eye was rolled back and it was it was missing and then when that spirit switched like that it went back to brown so i've only seen that once I want to talk a little bit more about this because I find this uh, email to be very creepy. But I will tell you that I I mean, just just from reading it, I have my own just personal thoughts on it. I just want to see if 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 I'm thinking correctly on this. But you hear the music. Stay with us. This is our mailbag edition of the Spirit World. Um, We hope you send in your. your emails for a future mailbag show at tsw at grnonline.com. We'll be right back.
Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. How do you keep God in your mind once you're done with prayer and daily mass? It's different for each of us, but one tool we've learned to use in our family is Christian music. Whether you're working around the house or driving the car, it's far more uplifting to listen to than the overplayed secular love songs. And God can speak to you through it. It's amazing how transformative good Christian music can be. Music can help us memorize scripture and remind us of the providence of God throughout the day. It can teach kids the Bible in a way that they love. And kids can make music their own. As they grow up, encourage your children to pick out Christian music that they personally can relate to. There's all different genres, from chant to country to contemporary. St. Paul exhorts us, sing psalms, hymns, and inspired songs to God from your hearts. Music can help deepen your love for God and lift your spirit to Him throughout the day. Try it this season and see. To find more resources for your family, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. We're not taking live phone calls today. Please email your questions to tsw at grnonline.com. Okay, this is our mailbag edition of The Spirit World. You can also like us on Facebook and grow the family there at The Spirit World Podcast. So, uh, Adam, let's go back to Francis's email. Um, I'm kind of stuck on it, and I'll tell you why. And the, if, if you listen to Take Two with Jerry and Debbie uh, and eight and a half years we've been doing Take Two, I think our Take Two family knows that I'm pretty much, you know, what, what you see is what you get. I kind of say what's on my mind, and I'm, I just put it all out there. And I'm kind of stuck on Francis's email because, you know, his wife saw this change with this woman. He saw the change. You know, it was it was very creepy. I mean, even reading the email, I got I it, it just I got kind of creeped out by it because it just if I was sitting there and I saw this woman that I was talking about God and talking about Jesus with and and was trying to be friends with with this this uh, woman who lost her husband, you know. And then all of a sudden her face, you know, contorted or changed or morphed into whatever. And it was creepy. And, and just I would be running, literally running out of there going, I'm out of here. You know, goodbye. Don't call me. Lose my number, you know, because something is really wrong. So let, let's go back. I just want to ask you this question. Is it possible? Because one of the things he says in this email is he says, was, could it have been a trick? 
could have been tricked by the demons, you know, to cut off ties with her as a warning, or was it a warning on the other side? So either which way you want to look at it, was there a, a, any kind of demonic involvement there? But the, and it, then he goes back to saying that she did do medical research papers on yoga for therapy. So is it possible that, you know, she was being used? Is it possible? I'm just asking this question. Is it possible she was being used by the demons at her weakened, compromised state? And it was it was it was funneling through to Francis and his wife. And they're trying to do a good thing by ministering to her because she just lost her husband. And then and then out comes or out pops kind of a demonic presence that is, is that possible? I mean, it is kind of creepy that it all happened and they both saw it. Yeah, so my guess about what's going on there, um, I guess let me back up a little bit. When the demons do any kind of preternatural, you know, things that are unusual like this, um, it's to manipulate people. It's it's not done just for fun. So you you see, if you back up, you say, okay, they're talking with this person, they're ministering to them, and then a scary thing happens and they leave and they probably don't go back and it sounds like they that worked so basically the a spirit was trying to scare them away um and it worked now it's unlikely that her hair fell out and she was suddenly actually bald in front of them right Mm -hmm. um but the demons can create illusions in the senses of people if the person is in a place that really is the demon's territory. And so if that house was really, they had strong rights to the house, they had strong rights to this person, if all that was true and you entered into that home and you kind of knew or or maybe would have guessed, maybe with the yoga particularly, that you know there's some entanglement with, with other spirits here beyond the creator um, and you're choosing to enter that, and by ministering, you're challenging the spirits that this person is basically, you know, uh, under their sway. Uh, right. They're they're promoting them. They're promoting yoga, that type of thing. So you're you're basically challenging them and and threatening their program. And this would be a powerful piece on the chessboard because this is a medical researcher who's writing peer-reviewed articles that are going to have an impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my guess would be is that her hair didn't actually fall out in the face, the eyes didn't actually turn yellow, but that was an illusion that was shown to both of them um, through their senses. And, and the demons in extraordinary situations can do stuff like that. Um, so I think it was just designed to scare them away. The clue there that that perhaps it wasn't, a demon so much taking over the body as an illusion is that mm-hmm. uh, in the email you read it mentioned that her voice didn't change so it sounds like the doctor was still talking and they were maybe even finishing the sentence and you know finishing their conversation but this scary face is there um, you know if a demon takes over the body generally they're they're going to cease the conversation and start you know verbally attacking the the people that are there or physically attacking them so I think it was a it was a um, a scam, a show. Like a parlor trick, that yeah. you always say? Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this question then. And and you use the word scary. I, I, I can't think of another word other than creepy because that just would, I don't know, because I'm so visual. If I saw that happening right in front of me, I'd be like, got to go. It's time for me to leave now. Um, but what should Francis and his wife do? I mean, obviously pray for this woman. If if the if the demon was saying this is my territory this is my turf you know leave here try to scare them with a visual image 
and they left, are they giving in now to to those demons? Should they? What can they do to combat that? Is is my my point? And it even help to, I guess, save this woman from whatever clutches she's in. Well, um, the most powerful prayer we have as as Catholic Christians is the Mass. And so I would actually have masses said for this woman maybe once a month okay. for her conversion and for her to get clarity about whatever um, spirit she may be entangled with. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, pray for her, particularly asking Mary um, to intercede in this woman's life and bring this woman closer to her son in an exclusive way, not as one of many gods, which is usually the way um, from a Hindu perspective I think Christianity would be seen as just another perspective on God as opposed to Jesus is the one God, uh, part of the Trinity, which is the only the only creator. Um, so she needs, you know, a deeper understanding and conversion there. Um, if a demon's putting on a show like that, you know, you're kind of getting into territory where you probably want um, the professionals, people that have experience dealing with the fully manifesting right. demon, right. as right. opposed to you just continuing the conversation or starting to challenge it verbally, because um, it could, you know, move into to physical violence and whatnot. And he was there with his wife, and so I think to protect your wife, you would you would want to get her out of that situation. And this woman needs to ask for help too. So it's not that it, you know. The priest isn't going to come and intrude on the woman and say, you're going to submit to prayer now. Mm-hmm. The, the woman has to go to the church and say, I, I think I have a problem. Please pray deliverance prayers for me. So it's a little complicated, but yeah, the rosary, the mass, um, and then... That's good stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure they walked away feeling like, well, what could we do? We're, we left her behind. You know, she's in trouble. So that was actually, Francis, thank you for that um, very um, detailed email that helped us uh, share the um, responses with the, uh, the Spirit World listeners. So thank you. Okay, so this next email, it's, we've received this one um, or a form of this one at least four or five dozen times. I mean, unbelievable how this keeps happening where somebody gets injured or gets hurt and they go for some kind of physical therapy or they go to a chiropractor or they go to some kind of massage therapist to get some relief and some help and um, it falls into all these um, energy manipulation chakras uh, Reiki um, you know and this one this one is addressing uh, craniosacral that's where it's the it's the massage on the brain to kind of hold the brain up to relieve any pressure and and stuff like that um so talk about this adam this energy healing stuff that is happening where a lot of practitioners a lot of doctors now medical professionals are into a form of this these kinds of therapy or they'll recommend it because i know it happened to me going through cancer treatment um wonderful uh, oncologist uh suggested um uh different um uh, um therapies that could help um, alleviate some of the pain that I was going through and a lot of it had new age um, um, roots to it and so but they're doing that because they're trying to get people relief without having to go to drugs or anything like that so you're going to also talk about the church document that's out there that kind of covers this I know and we've Mm -hmm. posted this already on um, the Spirit World podcast Facebook page Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, so the, the things to watch out for, Deb, are whenever you get into energy manipulation of some kind, if it's Reiki or um, somebody wanting to manip- manipulate chi in your body um, or superstitious practices like crystals and other things like that, uh, applying them to the body or taking them home. Um, sometimes um, the muscle testing, I think, I've, I've seen that be linked to... Um, a pretty significant spiritual problem in a person and all of all of this is included in the Vatican document Jesus Christ the bearer of the water of life that's Jesus Christ the bearer of the water of life it's easy to find you can google it it's on the Vatican website and that was a multi-year study that the church did of new age practices and beliefs and basically said that you know um, all of these things uh, yoga Reiki the energy healing it's incompatible with the Christian um, with the Christian life because number one it's not substantiated by science is working and number two it uh, is superstitious and, and kind of relies and calls upon a belief in powers that there's no evidence for that are um, at worst spiritual realities that are incompatible with the Christian view so these practices are forbidden by the church as being incompatible with our lives as Christians, and and I think there's good reason for that. Now, if it's, as we've talked about, Deb, you know, if it's just straight physical therapy, like if you were to say just get regular massage, that's just a physical thing that you're doing. And if there is legitimate um, chiropractic, though in general, chiropractic is forbidden, not forbidden, it is uh, strongly discouraged, and there's a USCCB, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, document from, I believe it's 2007, uh, we could check and post it later, um, that basically concluded, um, you know, that that these type of things are incompatible for Christians. So, there's a number of problems with these things. The bottom line is, whenever you hear about energy, energy manipulation or using objects as like talismans or magical items like crystals, those are your big red flags. And also like laying on of hands without any like real just basic physical medical reason for it, like with regular massage. If there's just kind of a strange laying on of hands, you want to be, I think, cautious about that and be asking the person what they're intending to, that they're doing to you. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding um, with chiropractic care that uh, if you went to a chiropractor for, for straight spinal adjustment to adjust the spine and that's it, there's no other manipulation or any kind of energy healing or anything that's that's out there as new age that's that can be acceptable based on based on some of your uh, uh, as a treatment. Am I am I off on that? Because I've been told by other priests that it's it's okay. But yeah, I mean, if you rely strictly on the USCCB document and the Vatican document, you would say that chiropractic is not substantiated and and it's discouraged as as incompatible. I think most people would say that as long as it doesn't involve manipulation and supposed spiritual energies, right? That it's not as um, kind of big of a deal but Mm -hmm. if you want to be strict about it it's it would be included in the no-no list um but discouraged not forbidden discouraged yeah Mm -hmm. not forbidden okay okay i didn't mean to cut you off did you want to finish that thought no no that's it 
Okay. Well, you're going to, going to hear the music uh, one more time. We're going to hit the pause button in, in, in just uh, a, a few minutes, and then we'll come back for the final segment and the last couple emails and comments that have come in. I just wanted to say again, you guys on Facebook, you have been so kind to us with the beautiful comments. Adam and I are so humbled by them, and we love you so very, very much. It is so wonderful. You love the spirit world, and you want to see it grow and continue, and that's wonderful. So thank you, and thank you to all the affiliates that carry the spirit world. We appreciate it. Um, please, we're trying to grow the, the family on Facebook. We say it every single time we do this show, um, and we are growing, which is wonderful. So all you have to do is find us on Facebook and tell your friends. You can pass on the episodes there. It's wonderful. Uh, Taylor does a great job at posting them right away, and then you can send them out. We believe that's a good use of social media. And all you have to do is, is like us um, at the Spirit World Podcast. Now, for a future mailbag show, you can send in um, your emails to tsw at grnonline.com. And that's where you can send um, a uh, comment in or a question. If you want to title it in the subject line, it, tell us if it's if it's referring to demonic activity or referring to the holy angels. That'll help us separate because we we are going to have to uh, split the ma- the monthly mailbag shows into uh, the demonic activity side, and then of course the the beautiful holy angels side we'll be discussing. So there's the music right on cue. When we come back, the final segment of our monthly mailbag show, and more of your emails coming up here on the Spirit World. Stay with us. Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt, but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So, Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, 
Get past those challenges and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. We're not taking live phone calls today. Please email your questions to tsw at grnonline.com. We want to thank Tim Mott, our senior producer, and of course our main producer, Taylor Van Est, for putting this mailbag edition together for our Spirit World listeners. He does such a fine job uh, keeping us right, um, right on 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 pace. I love that. And and by my um, little calculations here, Adam, if you group up all the emails, which we did, we tried to condense everything with by topic. Uh, we were by the time we we are done with this episode, we will have covered about twenty four of the spirit world um, comments and questions that have come in. So we're we're making progress. We're chipping mm-hmm. away at it, folks. We we only have about 150 more comments and questions to go, but uh, we will get there. But Adam, you wanted to uh, revisit uh, what we just talked about before the break about um, these uh, Reiki and other things um, that are new age. Yeah, just really briefly. So during the break, I just double checked. I wanted to give out the rest of the details there. So uh, within Jesus Christ, the bearer of the water of life, and we're going to put a link to that on, on, I believe, on the Facebook connected with this, uh, this shows. Uh, recording that does specifically mention chiropractic, kinesiology, homeopathy, a bunch of other things is being included in the New Age. And the USCCB document is from 2009, and it's called Guidelines for Evaluating Reiki as an Alternative Therapy. And that is a, a full document just on Reiki specifically um, and how it is not um, uh, validated by science and is is basically... Uh, something that we're not supposed to participate in as as uh, Christians. So I just wanted to to share those two. Um, I think they're you know important uh, to be aware that these things have been looked into really thoroughly. Um, the, this wasn't just one person mm-hmm. looking into something briefly. This is whole committees spending a lot of time researching these matters and trying to apply a Christian lens to them. Okay. And I'm not trying to split hairs on this or anything, but just going back to chiropractic care, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that it, they, especially when it's um, describing that particular area, are they they did use the word discouraged, not forbidden? Am I correct, or are we do do you know? Well, the way the document frames it is that the New Age practices are incompatible um, with the Christian worldview. In I the agree. Christian life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's not so much that they're saying it's forbidden, they're just trying to raise our awareness of it and explaining why it's incompatible with the Christian life. Um, I, can, I can tell you, you know, scripturally, of course, engaging in religious practices from, from pagan religions or other religions, obviously from a Christian standpoint, we're not supposed to be doing that. That would be a violation of the first commandment. Right. A lot of these things are taking a piece of other religious um, 
kind of systems and taking them out of context and trying to use them as a therapy. So you get into a, a little bit of a, a discussion about, well, how far do you have to go into it where you're actually starting to practice a religion and adopt a non-Christian worldview? Gotcha. And, and that's why I think there's, there's more of a discussion maybe to have with your priest, um, and if you're lucky enough to have a spiritual director, to have with them about, you know, how far you're moving into these practices and, and how, how you're thinking about them and how they're affecting you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have extended family members who are chiropractors, so that's why I'm, I have a, an, an interest in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, it's, it's their it's their life's work. So you mm-hmm. know, they want to and they want to make sure they maintain their their Christian um, status. You know, in, in a in a proper way. Um, okay. So this has nothing to do with the the mailbag show. I just wanted to say, do you know what? I'm I'm taking on your challenges from last week, um, and because because Advent starts tomorrow. So I'm very excited about that. I hope our spirit world listeners went back and listened to the Advent show, and uh, they are taking on those challenges as well, so we can enter deeply, deeply into the great liturgical season of Advent. Okay, real quickly, we only have a minute. We've got to go fast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Petronella. says, thank you for your show. Can bad people put diseases on other people? Thank you. Kind regards. No, people don't have the power to do that. So if you were to consume a cursed object, truly cursed by black magic, that may have an impact on you, which is partly why we say grace over anything before we eat it. Um, but that would be a very rare instance that somebody's going to, to that effort. People cannot just wish an illness on you. Humans don't have those kind of powers. Mm-hmm. What about curses? Like, what about that? Well, uh, remember Paul tells us that the darts of the enemy just fall to the ground. They don't affect us if we're in a right relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's important to stay in a state of grace Mm -hmm. in order to not be vulnerable to people trying to curse us. And generally, to curse a person, generally, you need to get an object that you have cursed into their possession, into their home, or get them to consume it. So you can't just stand at the corner and, and, you know, uh, spiritually zap somebody and just make them, like I don't the know. voodoo dolls or something right, like that? Right, right. I've never seen evidence that that really works. Okay, okay. Good to know. Thank you so much, you guys. You did a great job sending in these comments and questions. So you hear the music. Again, Taylor Van Est is doing a great job as our producer for this mailbag edition. We'll have another one probably at the end of the month because the mail is just keeps coming in, and it's a good problem to have. We love you guys. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Spirit World Podcast. You can always email us, tsw at grnonline.com. And uh, don't forget that Ad, um, Adam uh, issued the challenges for Advent. Go back and listen to the Advent show. Take on the challenges for the, um, for the season of Advent. And for Adam Bly, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon. <laughs>